Hey guys, this is Tracy, Project Girls. So listen, I did an interview earlier, and what I really wanted to do was um, just capture some of the things that I shared in that interview by putting it here on this podcast. Um, I, I'd like to title the name of this podcast, The Ones That Are Missed. And um, the reason that I'm even doing this podcast and kind of uh, providing another perspective uh, in the in the world of uh, trafficking and you know sex trafficking and, and everything that's going on with that. I want to share with you guys another perspective. And um, first of all, I really want to say that I, I honor my sisters and my friends that have overcome being trafficked and um, I honor you guys. I love you guys so much. I love being a part of all of y'all's lives and the things that we've all experienced, the devastation, the trauma, and all that goes with that goes with the life. But it's just important that I share up front that um, kind of a disclaimer because I'm going to be sharing some things about my personal experience and other individuals' personal experience, people that I ran with in the life that may look a little different than an individual that was groomed or coerced into a a life uh, and being tricked and being put on a stage with a pole or on the beat. So there'll be some things, like I said, that I will share that could possibly create feelings, um, and someone that doesn't really know me or this side of things, it may come off insensitive. So I just wanted to share that first. So um, I really want to talk a little bit about our program. Our program is called Disabling Dependency. And the reason it's called Disabling Dependency is because our program is all about introducing individuals to themselves. And what that looks like is girls like myself that have found themselves going in and out of jails, treatment facilities, prison, back to the streets, back to old boy, back to old girl, back to mom's house, back to church, hallelujah, amen, pastor, individuals that can sit across a desk from somebody and fulfill a checklist and go to a meeting or two and then take off. And the case managers always, always, you always hear this, God, they were doing so good. Were they? I mean, really? Were they doing good? Because they made a decision to let you take a picture of them so you can get them a homeless ID. Or you you filled out an application for them so they could get a gold card so they can go and get maybe medical care that they need or even just a script. You know, I'm just I'm just putting some things out there that, you know, you hear it all the time. They were doing so good because they attended a meeting or two. And, and the reality is, no, no, they were not. They were not doing so good. They had a moment where they rested and they ate and they spoke with you. And you had an opportunity to plant a seed, no doubt. And the work is never in vain. But no, she wasn't doing so good. And so I want to talk about that. You know, I came out of the life... I grew up having, you know, pretty much anything and everything I wanted. I grew up in a really beautiful home. And um, 
But the type of person that I am, the kind of chick that I am, I love to talk. I love to crack up. I love to laugh. I love to be silly. I'm very creative. I have a lot of imagination. I have a lot of thoughts. I'm always the one that has questions or either I won't question anything at all and I will just end up taking off and kind of doing my own thing. But that was, there was a birthing place for that. So me not being able to have a a platform to be able to share my opinion or what I thought about things, it really created problems for me. You know, I love, 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 love my sister Kim. But growing up, I was so jealous of her. And we crack up about it today because, you know, she could do something and I could walk in the house right after her and do the very identical same thing. And whereas it was cute and sweet when she did it, when I did it, it was not considered cute. It wasn't funny. It wasn't cute. It was a look of disgust is what I always seem to get. And that was from my step-grandfather. I was adopted. Um, my, my birth mother, she had some stuff going on. And um, my grandparents were able to take care of me and raise me and give me a life full of all kinds of um, really nice things. Like I said, um, I grew up pretty entitled. I think I was very angry that my birth mother took off. I think um, I was pissed off that I couldn't express myself or when I did, instead of it being um, nurtured, uh, instead of, you know, um, being me feeling empowered because, you know, wave, wave that flag of who you want to be. None of that was really there. I don't know that it was something that people purposely set out to, okay, I'm I'm not going to compliment her or I'm not going to you know, lift her up and let her know her ideas are great. Um, I do think that my dad um, had a a lot of disgust for me. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that came from my birth mother who um, he adopted and then he turned around and adopted me. So I have to give him props because he handled his business. Anyway, so not having a platform to talk and to express myself and to be who I wanted to be and have my ideas, you know, um, listened to and and all that stuff, for me, it just caused me to say, well, you know what? I don't, I'm not going to share my ideas anymore. I'm not going to tell people what I think anymore. I'm just going to show people. So I became this individual who inherit, not inherited, um, was given the name Cadillac Red. And if you've ever listened to a song by the Judds, they have a song named Cadillac Red. And I was working in a bar. I still lived at home. I was pretty fine. I was about 20 years old, I guess. Maybe, maybe I was 19, 20, 21. I don't know, something like that. And um, I can still clean up pretty well now. But at 20, baby, look. So anyway, um, I was working in an ice house. It was called the Jukebox. It's still there on Alameda Genoa Road in south on the southeast side of Houston. And um, there was a dude in there. His name was Steve. And he was in there with somebody. I don't know who. 
And I was working the bar and that song came on and he said, you're Cadillac Red. And um, it stuck. And I lived up to everything that I thought people wanted Cadillac Red to be, who was just this chick that all the dudes loved. If I want your man, I'll have your man. Uh, I was destructive. It didn't matter to me if a person was married, if they had kids, if they had weed and they had money and they were funny and they were good looking and they were giving me attention. That's pretty much all I cared about. So, um, Cadillac Red for a lot of years, I used to run this um, bar slash club called Do Daddies off Almeda Genoa. One of my best friends at that time, his name was Mark. He's still one of my best friends. And um, he and I would run the bar together and um, he ended up going his own way and um, moved out of Houston. I stayed here, of course. Um, I love Houston. I'm still in the same area of town I grew up in. I grew up off Monroe by Hobby and I still live in the area. And I did all my, all my hurt was in this area. All my dirt was in this area and all my work is in this area. And um, so anyway, Cadillac Red for many years um, and just to keep it short, got very addicted to drugs, ended up in the streets um, basically in my own backyard, ended up living on the streets of Houston. I was a size three. I was an IV, IV drug user, cocaine, and I was also a crack smoker. I spent a lot of years on the streets. I totally was just living a life full of just hate and pain and prostitution. I was nurturing my hate. Um, I always wanted to be somebody else growing up, and I got my wish. I literally became somebody else. Someone that I didn't know, that I didn't even recognize, and somebody who did not care at all if I came back. I ran all the bars on Telephone Road, um, all the motels, I should say, not not bars, all the motels on Telephone Road, and um, I left the life in 2003. But all, but all the things that led up to me leaving the life was two trips to prison, in and out of jail, back on probation, you know, staying locked up going to my mom's house, going, living with a guy, having a boyfriend, going back to Telephone Road, going back to prison, going back to jail. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go with a case manager. I'm going to get my gold card. I'm going to get my driver's license. I'm going to get my social security card. I'm going to go talk to these people. I'm going to find out what they got going on. Oops, I go back to Telephone Road. I get popped again. This time, I'm, you know, okay, I'm getting charged for delivery. I'm getting charged for possession. I'm getting charged for... Um, unauthorized use. I'm getting charged for prostitution, 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 delivery, possession, on and on and on and on and on. And, um, what began to happen was I became very dependent on jails, treatment and streets, jails, treatment and streets. That was my life. It became jails, treatment and streets, jails, treatment and streets. And, um, I knew what to say no matter where I went. I knew what to say to get what I wanted, whether I was on the streets, whether I was in prison, whether I was in jail, and it was a it was a it was a process. And um, for those of you that have been locked up, you know your first day locked up looked a whole lot different. If you spent years going in and out of jail and prison like I did, it looked real different. First time people get locked up, I tell you what, those that got locked up, you're gonna love this. Just 
put your seatbelt on, okay? First time locked up, you tripping. You ain't going to the bathroom. You ain't talking to nobody. You on the phone crying, tripping. You want somebody to bond you out, bond you out now. Now, I tell you, when I was getting locked up, it was like a freaking 72-hour, you know, process. So if you if you did have people that were cutting for you and still hadn't you still hadn't burned that bridge completely and they were gonna bond you out, well they don't tell you it's gonna take seventy two hours. You're thinking you're gonna get bonded out right now and you tripping when you first get locked up. Like I said, you ain't doing nothing, you ain't eating nothing, talking to nobody, you're just staying on the phone and you're just crying and crying and crying and crying. But let you get locked up a few times. Let you get locked up a few times. Let me tell you something. For those of y'all that ain't never been locked up, let me just tell you this. Uh, it looks real different first time getting locked up versus getting locked up repeatedly. Because after a while you get locked up, you know, you ask, man, you running. You running when they yell trays. Because when the trays are on the floor, that's your food. That everybody running so they can get in line so they can get their tray first. And hopefully they know that trustee so that trustee can give them a little something extra, give them two trays, put some extra food on that tray, What it, however it's going down. You you all about it. You braiding your hair, you playing cards, you making cakes, you on the phone, you stacking paper, you're getting visits, you're exercising in the day room. Come on now, I know my peeps that been locked up, you know this well. You already, you feeling right at home with what I'm sharing with you right now, and you know this. So, the streets are the same way. Get locked up, get out, you hit the street, very same thing. Come on, man. I didn't know how to pack a pipe and how to smoke dope and what, you know, when the block was hot and who to look out for and what trick not to mess with and you know, when, when the police, and I tell you the police, oh my God, OMG, Ford, Patterson, and Smith. Anybody from the South Side right now, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I made it out. If uh, Hey, come on now. We made it out from Patterson, Ford, and Smith. Those three right there, them boys were like the Dukes of Hazard on Telephone Road. They're HPD cops. And them boys right there were handling their business because they were all in our business. And they used to pick me up and take me to my mom's house. They used to show up, get on the dang PA system. Tracy Dudley. Hey, Tracy, come on out of there. I'd be in the motel room. Oh, my God, trick freaking out. I'm really tripping. I'm telling them, hang on, it's cool. I know these people. Then he's really tripping. You know, all these scenes going down on the street. Once I learned it, and those of you that have been in the life, you know it's true. Once you learned the game, oh, it was off and popping, okay? You were in the streets doing what you needed to do, and um, you were making that money. You knew who sold the best dope, who sold the boo-boo, which per person to get with. You knew when the block was hot. You knew that you better stay in your room when they doing a sweep. You learn it. You you learn them tricks real well. And um, when you go to treatment, let's talk a little bit about going to treatment. Many trips to treatment. I did lots of treatment trips. Um, problem is, is that I was only doing treatment. Somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. Only doing treatment. Back and forth. Like I said, jails, treatment facilities, and back to the streets. There's a reason I'm sharing just a little bit of watered-down version of these particular events just hang on, okay? Just hold what you got. So, 
go to go to a treatment facility and I do everything that I'm supposed to do in treatment. I get the sponsor, I go to the meetings, I'm writing goodbye letters to cocaine. You know, like I to this day ain't no goodbye letter to cocaine that ain't that ain't what got me to say goodbye to cocaine. Okay? Me losing my life almost and ODing repeatedly in the life, going to prison, being a size three on telephone road, living through my mom calling, excuse me, my son calling someone else mom. No, that's what made me say goodbye to cocaine. So anyway, treatment facilities, I knew what to say, how to say it. I'm signing out, I'm going here, I'm doing, but it's all surface. I'm not really getting anywhere. I I didn't know how to dig deep. I didn't know what to, I I didn't know. All I knew was how to do those different places that I would end up. Jails, treatment streets, jails, treatment streets. So um, why did I, again, very watered down version. I'll, I'll get a little more detail next time, but this is the deal. The reason I shared about those is because that's the life of so many chicks that are just like Tracy. A lot of Tracy's running around out there on Telephone Road right now. A lot of chicks. And I'll tell you something else, too, about the South Side. Southeast, whole different culture than some of the other sides of town. And so, um, the work I've done here on the Southeast Side has been for many, many years. And... It's about developing relationship with those chicks, but that's a different story. I want to talk a little bit about this specific female like myself that has mastered going between jails, treatment facilities, and back to the streets. And what what happens is I became very dependent on going to jail because I knew what to do in jail. I knew how to make money in jail. I knew how to get visits in jail. I knew I can just sleep off my time or I can be a trustee if I choose to, whatever I feel like doing. Um, I, I knew how to do that. I can get my weight back on, right? I can exercise in the day room, right? I can write some letters. I can reconnect with some people, whatever's going on with me at that time. But I, I became very dependent on resources and programs that were and people that were there to help me get to the next level. But instead, I became dependent. I knew, like I said, I described the, the case manager to you. I described the streets. I described the jail. I descri- described the addiction. And I became dependent on all of that. That was a whole, that was a life of its own. That's why you always hear people say, Gosh, she was doing so good. She got a car or she got a job. She was doing this. And she just ran right back to it. Exactly. You know why? Because on those streets, when I was running those bars, when I was Cadillac Red, when I had the Mike Jones mentality, because I'm going to tell you something, I wasn't so hot before I hit probably about 19 years old. I never got asked out in high school. No dudes ever asked me out. I mean, I dated this one dude when I was like 14. Like, you know, I was like a freaking dork. I don't know. I think he kind of liked me. I was kind of cute, I guess. I don't know. But it seemed like once I got out of high school and I found a place where I could become somebody else, like I said, it became Cadillac Red. All of a sudden, all kinds of people wanted to talk to me and go out with me. People that wouldn't give me the time of day because I was this dorky, too tall, 
matchstick, redhead, big red. I hated that. But I loved when somebody put the word Cadillac in front of red. And I lived up to that. I, I, that girl, I lived all the way up to, like I said, who I thought she was. And who 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 I became. Um, and so, the streets, the life is the one place. It's that one place that I could say, can you hear me now? Do you see me now? It was the one place where I felt powerful. It was the one place where I felt that I had your attention. I could I could get what I wanted. I could say what I wanted. I could be what I wanted. I could I could pop it off. I could make it happen. And it's that one place where I had a voice and I could express myself and I could walk into a room and command the presence in the room. Whereas before my life was always all eyes on me as soon as I walk into a room. That's a whole another podcast. So just hold what you got. So, um, but all of a sudden it was all eyes on me, but for something good. Like, dang, what's up Cadillac? Okay. (laughs) What's up? I'll take a kamikaze. (laughs) That's what's up. I'll take a Budweiser and a shot of Red Hot and a shot of tequila. That's what's up if you want to talk to me. So I had, so all of that, that Mike Jones mentality and that whole, uh, all my hate went to the street. When when I was changing between Cadillac Red and went back to I'm just Tracy and I hate myself and I hate life and I was living on the streets, I, I still was demanding and demanding people's time and their attention and I'm going to tell you something now this is this right here is going to be something that a lot of people they're not going to like but this is my truth and all the girls that I ran with their truth there's a reason that we call a John most people call him a John no they're a trick and there's a reason they're called a trick because guess what it's either you are me. And that trick has one thing in mind. They think they're going to either get a blowjob on the way to work or they think they're going to have sex with you on their way home from work or whatever it is that they have in mind. And that's just the truth. And I am saved and I am doing things to advance the kingdom and I love Jesus. But I just need to put that out there so people know that's exactly what's going down, right? So, it's either you or me. And I don't want to do nothing. I don't want to touch you. I don't want to look at you. I don't want to be around you. I hate myself. All I want to do is get high. Period. That's it. That is totally my motivation. That's why I'm out here. I've I got years of hate and pain. Everything that has just added up and added up and added up. All the injustices all the times I was dismissed, all the times my heart was broke, it seemed like I was always freaking dismissed. And a person that has been dismissed and disregarded over and 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 over eventually makes a decision to check out of life and to become somebody else 
and to run those streets. Everybody does something different with their pain. That's what I did with my pain. And all the chicks that I ran with, that's what they did with their pain. And all the chicks that I know that are out there right now, and maybe you're listening to this, which I got to give shout out to all my girls in Southeast because I love them a lot. And they know it. Um, But it was that one place where I finally had power. I thought I did. I thought I had power. I thought I was important all of a sudden. I thought, yes. And with the trick, it's either you, it's either that trick or me. And that's why they're called a trick. Because we're fixing to trick the heck out of you, dude. I don't want nothing to do with you. I want to find out what the PIN number is to your credit card. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to get the keys to your car. I'm going to have two or three people up in the room. I'm going to rent a room. I'm going to get your money. I'm going to go buy dope. And then I'm going to come back and I'm going to sell you your own dope. And I'm going to score and I'm going to win. And I'm going to come on top. And I ain't doing nothing with you. As a matter of fact, I'm across the way in another motel room watching you look for me. And it was all this big facade. there, There was power in being able to do that. Power in being able to win and to come up and get that good trick. And a lot of people, because of so much of the movement that is is vital and necessary to those that have been so victimized by being trafficked, there's, I really believe in the message of sharing that that trick is just as screwed up. That trick needs help just like the chicks need help. And so I just wanted to share that, that, you know, those tricks were sent home busted. We done drew money out of their account. We got their PIN number. Half of them didn't even use drugs. We got them hooked on drugs. We running game on them, playing with their mind, laughing at them, totally fronting them out, getting them hooked on dope. They're all tripping and wired. They don't know what to do. They ain't never even freaking smoked no crack cocaine. And then and then they become a regular because they come out there. But you already know what to do. All you got to do is get him high and he gets stuck and he can't do nothing. And then you just take all of his money and then you send him home busted again. Before a while, they're out there permanently like you are because they've lost their house and walked away from everything. So the, this perspective that I'm talking about tonight is um, the reality of that. That was a reality in my life at one time, almost 17 years ago. And um, it's important that that, that perspective that piece of the pie be talked about. So um, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this uh, podcast up, but I'm I'm hoping that I get some feedback. I get some positive feedback. If I don't, I can handle it. I've been, I've been, I, I got plenty of, plenty of knocks and bad feedback in my lifetime. So I can probably handle it. Um, But I love you guys, and I hope this was something that you enjoyed hearing, and um, I'll be back with more.
I don't know when, but I'll be back. Hey, that's what I used to tell the dope man. Ha, I'll be back. I don't know when, but I'll be back. (laughs) Flipping my hustle. All right, guys. Till next time. Love y'all.